we are looking at the inheritance, the seed and the inheritance. And last time we began to introduce his inheritance in the saints. And we're going to look at that scripture again in the book of Ephesians. His inheritance in the saints. For this cause, Ephesians 1, I got to tell you Ephesians where, you have to search through the book of Ephesians, which isn't a bad thing to do. But for this cause, I also, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus, which is among you, and the love which you show toward all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And what the exceeding greatness of his power to us were who believe according to the working of the strength of his might, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and made him sit at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion. And every name that is named, not only this world, but that which is to come. And he had put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that fill all in all. So the fullness of him that fills all in all. We were on that for a long time, dealing with the fullness. This word, fullness, completion, wholeness. If we, if we look at Christ and you could say, when was he ever not full? You could say that. When was he ever not complete? We're going to look at this tonight. When was Christ ever not complete? I'm going to tell you. Now, he was always the express image of God, but he had to complete a work. Jesus had to fulfill the word of God. Had he not fulfilled the word of God, we wouldn't be in the salvation we're in. Our salvation is based upon his completion, what he did. That's our salvation. And that's, and that's what Christians many times don't understand, is their salvation is based upon what he did, what he already accomplished. And we don't understand that, so we don't come to get to set our hearts to know what he's done. We set our hearts much of the time to something that's going to take place, future. And that's been the mind of the church, is, is this future thing's going to happen, okay? What? we need to do, ought to do, is set our minds on him, on Jesus, 
and what he has done. That's even how we ought to pray. You know, when we when we pray, Father, reveal your son in me. Father, reveal yourself to me. Father, reveal your word in me. All of this is based upon what he has already accomplished. So when we come into Christ, and, and Apostle Paul writes in Romans, and we've looked at, at it off, often, Romans 6, we are baptized into his death. Well, he died 2,000 years ago. Okay? But the Spirit of God baptizes me and you who receive him into his death. That's what the Spirit of God does. Brings us forth in his life. Now, this, this already took place at the cross. See, Jesus died, buried, and rose, rose again without us. Now, what I'm talking about before we, most or if not all of us, well, before all of us on this broadcast was ever born, Jesus died. He was a man. He was buried. And he rose again before we ever came into existence. He'd already done it. So when we receive him, the Spirit of God brings us into his death, burial, and resurrection. Now, here's where we are in the work he has done. See, that's the work he's done, death, burial, and resurrection. And that's the three-day journey. A lot of people are looking at three days as, as 3,000-year period of time. Myself, I guess I don't. I look at three days as death, burial, and resurrection. And I find those three days in Christ. I find death in him. I find burial in him. I find resurrection in him. I don't find them anywhere else. I find them in him. That's where I find the newness of life. Because without the death part of it, we can't come to new life. We're, we're bound up in the life we have. That's why death is so important. Is, is if you don't come to Christ and you don't come into his death, you can't come in newness of life. Because you're bound up in the life you have. Okay, that's what you have. You you know the life you have in the flesh. Well, if there's not a, a way out of that life, okay? See, see, because Christianity has has taught us that we make that life better. <laughs> that ain't the gospel. That ain't the good news that that life gets better. The good news is that life goes away. That life is crucified. So, so the, the way God deals with that life is death. And, and the work of the cross is Jesus just didn't die, and they didn't just leave him out on the 
out there on the cross. They buried him. They put him in a tomb. They put it away. And he come out of that tomb as the resurrection of you and I. Our resurrection is Christ himself. And if we would, if we would just understand that, it would clear up a lot of things in our hearts. He is our resurrection. He is my life. Okay? So, so now I am in this work he's done, death, burial, and resurrection. I'm in this work. So as I look at this tonight, his inheritance in the saints. I, I think I said this last week. What did he inherit? Having the eyes of your heart enlightened. This is English standard. Brother Dale likes to read this. I like it as well. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he called you, that you might know what he's called, the hope, the expectation to which he has called you. What's the expectation he's called you to? What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? This is the expectation he's called you to. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places. So all that God did here is in your inheritance, my inheritance. The immeasurable greatness of Christ. Can only, he can only be measured by the Spirit of God. I can't measure out his greatness myself. It's immeasurable. That's what Paul says in one place. He's preaching, teaching the immeasurable riches of Christ. Or unsearchable is the word he uses. Unsearchable. Well, how can you preach something that's unsearchable? Because it's measured by the Spirit of God. So what God is measuring in our hearts is what Christ has already done. Now, how does that make sense? Well, if you read this whole verse of Scripture and you think upon it, he tells you how it makes sense. He says here that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his own right hand in heavenly places, far above all rule, authority, power, dominion, uh, and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church. Here's how. Which is his body. So the body of what he's done is the church. That's, how, that's why you inherit what he's done, because you're his body. The church, which is his body, the fullness of him that feels all in all. Now, do we see that? This is how this connects together. The 
inheritance of Christ, his inheritance in the saints, the church which is his body, the fullness of him that fills all in all. So we receive that of him. Now the question is, what is his inheritance? Because his inheritance is your inheritance. <laughs> you inherit that of him. Because you're his body. Why do you inherit that of him? You're his body. He has his inheritance in you. You have your inheritance in him. Or he has his inheritance in God. And it's given to you and I that are his body. And that's what we're going to look at. I just feel like I need to read this verse one more time. And we're going to turn to Hebrews chapter 1. But I'm going to read it one more time. You know, Paul's praying that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ may give you, the Father of glory may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which you called. What's the hope or expectation which you've been called? What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? And this immeasurable greatness, notice this close again, is according to the working of his great might that he worked for at in Christ. This is the measurable greatness of his power. That he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places. Now come down with this thought to Hebrews chapter 1. And start at verse 1. God, Hebrews 1, verse 1. God, who at sundry times and divers' manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who be in the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person in upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high, being made so much better than the angels, as he hath by inheritance, listen to this, obtained, a more excellent name than they, for unto which of the angels said he at any time, Thou art my son. This day have I begotten thee, and again I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he bringeth in the first begotten into the world, he saith, and let all the angels of God worship him. Now, notice this real close. He hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than the angels. Thou art my son. What does that mean? In the natural, a son inherits that of the father. Right? 
Sure. It's how it works. Most of the time. Here, Christ is inheriting the throne of God. That's it. Now read the rest of this. Read this real close. And again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he bringeth first begotten into the world, he saith, and let all the angels of God worship him. And of the, and of the angels, he saith, who maketh his angels spirits, and of his ministers a flame of fire. But unto the son, he saith, thy throne, O God, is forever and ever a scepter of righteousness, is the scepter of thy kingdom. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore, God, even thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. Now, I, I wrote, wrote a question here. Thou art my son. This day have I begotten thee to inherit. I wrote a statement to inherit all things. He's begotten from the dead. Not just begotten of Mary. And I'm going to show you this in the scripture. He's begotten from the dead. He came into the dead. That's what he did. He was birthed naturally into the dead. And learned obedience, the Bible says. In order that he would be begotten out from the dead, raised from the dead. See, see, we read this, that we're quickened, made alive with him. He's begotten there of God and raised up and received back into glory and is exalted above everything and given a name above every name. That's what, what's done with it. So he's given a name above every name. And we read that in Philippians, and I'm getting ahead of myself, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and tongue shall confess that every knee should bow and tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So here he comes into the earth to perform the work. And when he's finished the work, he's brought out of the dead and received back into glory, having completed everything he's done. He inherits the throne. Yes, it's what he inherits, the throne of God. He's seated at the right hand of majesty on high. That's the power, might, dominion of God. You don't walk out today and just say, in the name of God. Or even Elohim. At the name of Jesus, because everything came here and was given into his hands. Yes. My Lord. And he is raised out from the dead. Why? Because he's obedient unto death. Even the death of the cross. I'm the way, the truth, and life. There's the way. That's the way into the Father, that's the way out of death, of the old man. 
There's no way to God but by death. No way. I can't come. See, see, that's where this understanding that's going on in the church, this thing being declared, God was always pleased with you. You just didn't know it. Huh. Well, then he didn't need to crucify Jesus. If that's the truth, then the work of the cross didn't need to take place. He just needed to get into your heart and mind and let you know that you were already complete. I mean, this thing is out here, and it's being declared to believers. And, the, and, I, and I don't mean to be hard, but they're rejecting the cross. You can't reject the cross, honey. You reject the cross, and you're rejecting the Lord. That, that is the Lord's work. He performed the work. He did a quick work in the earth. And the quick work in the earth was three days, death, burial, and resurrection. That's the fast work. That's the quick work that was coming upon the earth that the prophet declared. And it came forth in the person of Jesus Christ. He is raised from the dead, and God have highly exalted him. And we inherit his blessing. The oil of gladness. We're made glad with him. Yes. He's anointed with the oil of gladness. And we share in that inheritance as we know him. It's the way it is. So we look here at him. He's given a name above every name. None of the angels that God say, you are my son. Today I have begotten thee. Now, now, to follow through on what I said, I want to read Hebrews 5, but I want to follow through on this. Go to Acts 13, because I got several scriptures, and I'm afraid I won't get this said, but I want to follow through on what I've said. Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. Go to Acts 13, 26. The writer here says, men and brethren, children, of the stock of Abraham, and whosoever among you feareth God. I believe this is Paul speaking, I believe. You can search it out. And whosoever among you feareth God, to you is the word of this salvation sent. For they that dwell at Jerusalem and the rulers, because they knew him not, nor yet the voice of the prophets, which are read every Sabbath day, they have fulfilled them in condemning him. And though they found no cause of death in him, yet desired they Pilate that, they, that he should be slain. And when they have fulfilled all that was written of him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a sepulcher, a tomb. But God raised him from the dead. And he was seen many days of them which came up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are his witnesses unto the people. And we declare unto you glad tidings, how that the promise which was made unto the fathers, God hath fulfilled the same unto us, their children, in that he hath raised up Jesus again, as it is also written in the second psalm, Thou art my son, 
this day have I begotten thee, begotten from the dead. And as concerning that he raised him from the dead, now no more to return to corruption, he said on this wise, I will give you the sure mercies of David. Now I'm going to tell you a story. We probably need to search out the sure mercies of David because that's given to Christ. That's his inheritance. So when you start talking about what's his inheritance, it includes the sure mercies of David. So when he has his inheritance in the saints, probably need to come to know that. <laughs> Just saying. And we're probably going to do that, Lord willing, in this study. He raised up Jesus again as written in the second Psalm, Thou art my son, this day I have begotten thee. And as concerning he raised him up from the dead, now no more to return to corruption. He said on this wise, I will give you the sure mercies of David. Wherefore he saith also in another Psalm, thou shalt not suffer thy holy one to see corruption. For David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell on sleep and was laid unto his fathers and saw corruption. But he whom God raised again saw no corruption. Honey, this is your incorruptibility. When you come over in Peter and you read about incorruptibility, he's speaking to you of Christ, how that Christ saw no corruption and were clothed upon with him. Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. And by him all that believe are justified from all things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. Beware, therefore, lest that come upon you which is spoken of in the prophets. Behold, you despisers, and wonder, and perish, for I work a work in your days, a work which you shall nowise believe, though a man declare it unto you. See, the work God was working in their days was three-day work, death, burial, and resurrection. There are brothers that say God's working a work in their day. No, we're a manifestation of the work that God has already done in Christ. Yeah. That's the work that was going to be worked. That's the work that was declared by the prophets. Behold, I work a work. And see, they were despising that work, that God raised Jesus from the dead. That's the work. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. And we are in that work. Recipients of it. I've received of that work. That's inheritance. See, see, that's that's us receiving that of him. He's exalted to the right hand of God. He's raised out from the dead. Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee, speaking of the resurrection from the dead. Not just speaking of him born in the earth and Mary through Mary, but here speaking of the resurrection. I'm, I'm not telling you Jesus as a man wasn't the Son of God. I believe he was. So I'm not telling you that, but I'm telling you the Son of God is raised out from the dead, and that's the new creation. See, see, that's how you're a new creation is him being raised from the dead. If he doesn't raise out from the dead, you can't become a new creation. You can't become a new creation in yourself. 
I can't become a new creation in myself. I become a new creation in that God raised Christ from the dead. So the life of the new creation is him. Not my old life getting better. It's not me discovering what I was before I was born in the earth. It's learning him. I guess I'm going to nail this thing tonight. You just forget all that other stuff because that ain't the truth. It's learning him. He is the truth. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. He's the eternal word of God. It's the surety of this word that you and I are quickened from Adam. We're quickened, man. The quickening power of God just moves into your heart when you receive him. Boom. Power, like you never felt before when you received the Lord. Never felt anything like it. The power of God that quickened you from the dead. See, see, that's what Paul's writing about in Ephesians 1. That immeasurable power, that glorious power that he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. And then he says in Ephesians 2, you are quickened with him in that power where he raised Christ from the dead. You're quickened with him. Seated with him. Raised with him. Seated with him. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God that you would behold his glory. The glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The one that has been exalted with the name above every, every name. The one that has defeated every foe. And that's whose body you are. That's a, that's a good place to be because you're the body of Christ. You're the body of the Lord. See, see, we we hear that said. I'm the we're the body of Christ, and sometimes I, we I don't know that we understand how big that is. That's how you're joined to the Lord is His body. You don't you don't take His position on the throne. <laughs> no, you're joined as His body that you express Him. That's in the throne, seated with Him in the throne, seated in His victory, seated in everything he's done, brought into the rest of everything he's done. That's what seating is. If I sit down, I'm at rest. I come into rest in everything the Lord's done. Because God works that in us, in our hearts. Everything he's done, that we express what he's done in the earth, that we live in what he's done in the earth. That this is formed in us. And we're expression of it. The divine nature of God filling our souls. I couldn't, I couldn't even dream up what the divine nature of God looked like. I guess I could have dreamt it up. I'm sorry. I probably could have had a lot of imagination, but I couldn't put any substance behind it. I had to see it in Christ. I had to begin to view it in Christ because the divine nature of God is viewed in the revelation of Jesus Christ. 
See, I can't see that anywhere else. So if I try to view that in myself, I can't find it. It'll become the imagination of my heart. But when I begin to see him, see the character of God in the person of Jesus Christ, now that begins to be formed in me, to be the expression of it, to be joined to it. It ain't me being, being glorified here, honey. It's the exalted one, the one he says, you are my son, this day have I begotten thee, and I ha and raised up, thou art, what, unto, unto him is given the throne. Thou art my son. And, and we read it in Hebrews 1. He's given the throne. Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever a scepter of righteousness. Of the increase of his government, there shall be no end. And we come to know his government. We come to exercise his government in the earth. We come to, to distribute his justice. Yeah. Why? Because we're his kingdom. Kingdom of God. A people that's knowing the Lord. A people that is coming to his rule and reign. Honey, that's his inheritance. He inherited the throne of God. And we live in that reign of Christ. What do you mean we live in it? Sin and iniquity is not our enemy anymore. Oh, why? Because Jesus raised from the dead. Because Jesus died on the cross. And he raised from the dead. So if, you, so if you comprehend that much of it, it's not the enemy anymore because he has defeated it. We live in the reign of his throne. Now there's a forming of the nature in us that has no sin. Now people don't want to believe that. I believe that. He is forming his nature in you. Why? To express, you're his body. His body should have his nature, right? To be the expression of him. Amen. So, so we just got to get a hold of this. Paul goes on to say, down here in verse 46 of this chapter 13 of Acts, it says, then Paul Barnabas waxed bold and said, it was necessary that the word of God should have been spoken to you, but seeing you have put it from you and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, we turn, lo, we turn to the Gentiles. So here is where I believe the gospel turned out, turned to the Gentiles. Well, Paul says that. So we were on a study of Matthew 24 at one time, and we were looking at the, all the things fulfilled there. Well, here Paul turns to the Gentiles. And he says, and he says to them, and it's, it's powerful what he says to them, if, if we get a hold of it. 
you judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life. Everlasting life is believing on Jesus Christ, receiving Jesus Christ, his life coming into you, the life of the one that raised from the dead, the life of the one that didn't see corruption is now in you. Hallelujah. This is what the Lord's done. Now, thou art my son this day have I begotten them. We, we taught on this so long. I want to mention it to you. Israel is my son, my firstborn. See, this is to me the fulfillment of the firstborn. Christ is the first raised out from the dead. He's not the first man resurrected. Lazarus was resurrected. <laughs> but Lazarus saw corruption. You go but in the Old Testament, you see people resurrected, raised up. But they're raised up in the same man. They were. See, Christ is raised and exalted on high and given the throne of God. He's raised out from the dead. How's he raised out from the dead? He saw no corruption. He did no sin. Death couldn't hold him. Why couldn't death hold him? If he had sinned as Adam, death could help him. He that knew no sin became sin. That's why death couldn't hold him. He knew no sin. He was the expression of God. And as a man, he learned obedience. I, I was going to get into this tonight, that he, he, as a man, learned obedience to be a faithful high priest. Yeah. We read it in the book of Hebrews. Maybe I should read that and we'll wind up there. So, so Jesus is begotten from the dead. I'm going to read it, actually, Numbers 3, and then I'll turn to Hebrews. Numbers 3, 12 says, Behold, and this will go in with Hebrews, Behold, I have taken the Levites from among the children of Israel in place of every firstborn Israelite from the womb. The Levites belong to me, for all the firstborn are mine. On the day that I struck down every firstborn in the land of Egypt, I consecrated to myself all the firstborn of in Israel, both man and beast. They are mine. I am the Lord. So he says the Levites are taken from the children of Israel to be the firstborn. The Lord says, all the firstborn of mine, all the firstborn. Now, all the firstborn are all those that's fulfilled in Christ because he's the firstborn from the dead. He's raised out from among the dead. Never again to go back into the dead. We don't find Christ there in the dead again. We don't find him coming from the womb of Mary again. We find him coming in the power of the Spirit. So he consecrated to himself the firstborn. Now you and I enter into, just, just like they did, and we talked about this many times, 
we enter into the death of that lamb and we come forth in his life. That's what all the firstborn of Israel did is they entered into the death of the lamb. When they put the blood on the door and they entered in there, they entered into the death of the lamb and in type and shadow, they came out in the light of a new day. You and I don't come out in type and shadow. We come out in resurrection life, the very life of Christ that was raised out from the dead. Why was this life raised out from the dead? Because he knew no sin. Death couldn't hold him. It wasn't able to hold him. And God raised him from the dead. He wasn't guilty of death. Everybody else was. <laughs> That's why you have to live by him. See, see, verse 28 of Acts 13, I, I, I said I'm going to turn to Hebrews, but Acts 13, 27, it says, and they found no cause of death in him. There was no reason for him to die, except he's the way. He learns obedience. He becomes obedient to the death of the cross. That's the only reason Jesus had to die, Philippians 2. Philippians 2. This is, this is why he had to die. Verse 5, Philippians 2, verse 5. Maybe I'll get to Hebrews. Philippians 2, verse 5 says, Let this mind be in you which was in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death. There's the mind that has to be in us, obedient to death, obedient to his death. Reckon yourselves indeed to be dead. Even, goes on, says he became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, look who exalted him. Wherefore, God also have highly exalted him. Why? Because he's obedient unto death. Not that he had any reason to die. Because he wasn't guilty in sin. <laughs> God have given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, Hebrews 5. Remember, the Levites were taken as the firstborn. So, so here's the, the Levitical priesthood, 5.1, speaking of that. For every high priest taken from among men is ordained for men in things pertaining to God. So it's ordained for men in things pertaining to God, ordained, was given of God, the priesthood, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins who can have compassion on the ignorant and on them that are out of the way, for that he himself also is compassed with infirmity. And by reason hereof, he ought. What's the hereof? It's Christ. That's why, that's why it's ordained. That's why he's offering things pertaining to God, the hereof. 
and by reason hereof he ought as for the people, so also for himself to offer for sins. And no man takes this honor unto himself, but he that is that is called of God, as was Aaron. So Aaron was called of God as a representation of our high priest who is Christ. Now here we go, verse five. So also Christ glorified not himself to be made a high priest. But he that said unto him, Thou art my son, today have I begotten thee, as he saith in another place, Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death and was heard in that he feared, though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered and being made perfect. He became the author of eternal salvation unto all that obey him, called of God, a high priest after the order of Melchizedek, a high priest of an endless life, a high priest that is never, a priesthood that is never going to change. See, Christ learned obedience as a man. He humbled himself as a man to die the death of the cross. He that knew no sin. He didn't know it. He became sin. He was born into man. That's what John declared. Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. He that knew no sin became the sin offering that we through him might be made the righteousness of God. See, that's our inheritance. That we be made the righteousness of God. Not just receive righteousness, we do. We receive righteousness. We are righteous. But our being as the expression of him is made righteous. Made to be in right standing with God. By the power of the resurrection life that's living in us. Glory to God. Well, I'll stop right here. God hath raised Jesus from the dead and seated him at the throne, in the throne, as the throne. You could say it so many different ways. All power and authority. All victory found in him. And the beauty is you are in him. No wonder Paul cried out that I may be found in him. Because sometimes we're not finding ourselves there, are we? So he had a cry in his heart that we may be found in him. Anyway, Lord bless you.